Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with John Worcester. John of Super Trunk of the Mountain Goats, of Bob Mould's band. And, I mean, Google him. There's no one he hasn't played with. Uh, an absolute legend of a drummer and wonderful human being, as you're about to find out. This is a, a smashing chat. And uh, and before we get on with it, just a quick thanks to, um, to Scrooby's Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thanks to 76, uh, my producer, for producing this. And if uh, this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track then when you've finished uh, this delightful chat with John, then uh, go and have a look in the archives because you, uh, you can catch up on over 200 episodes uh, featuring my, my, my podcast chats with the likes of, oh, blimey, it's quite diverse, um, Butch Vig, um, Chuck D, Fatboy Slim, Sheik, uh, oh, gosh, uh, The Vaccines, Mel C of the Spice Girls, uh, Go and have a look because there's there's some incredible episodes to be enjoyed, and uh, and if that's not enough, you can also support the podcast and get access to an extra four weekly shows um, over on Patreon, and uh, you can find out about that at Patreon dot com forward slash off the beaten track, um, and and that really does uh, enable you to support the podcast as well as this is a a labour of love, and uh, and so any kind of help there is great. Um, you can find out about everything to do with this podcast, you know, whether it be you know other platforms to listen to it on, merchandise, and obviously the Patreon. Uh, you can find out about all of that at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, that's enough from me. Let's get back to business. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with John Worcester. It's Off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with it. Okay, right, we're recording. Um, how you doing, John? I'm doing good. Just uh, trying to keep it together like everybody else on the planet. Well, let's let's touch on that before we before we talk um, your your song choices. Uh, how you found the last seven eight months as uh, as as a human and as a as a creative? Well, you know, it's it's been really difficult, uh, as it is has been for everybody. You know, your, your life is just turned upside down, and there are people dying, which is, you know, it's just it's incomprehensible. And we 
have the absolute worst leader who could possibly be in power during all of this. Uh, thankfully, only for two more months. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just the, the, the worst of all worlds at once, yeah. you know. Um, but on a professional level, I um, for the last 10 years, I, I was really hitting it hard between Bob Mould, Super Chunk, and, and the, the Mountain Goat. So for 10 years, it's just been a constant record tour, record tour, just over and over again every year for, for 10 years. So I'd be lying if I said I wasn't enjoying not doing it hardcore like that right now yeah. so i i feel like i needed i needed the break unfortunately it's these are the circumstances which enabled that that break yeah. but you know just, just just trying to keep it together and trying to make music in in some way super chunk we're working on some stuff but just individually one at a time in a basement and uh mountain goats have recorded some video things um but that's pretty much all you can do cool yeah well, well, let's talk records. And for track one, what do you regard as the song that has the greatest ever intro? The first song that came to, to mind for me was Don't For The Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Mm -hmm. And I sat on that for a day just to think, well, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something that gives me more chills than that when I hear it. But, but there isn't. It's, yeah. it's just, to me, I think it's my favorite song oh, really? of all time. Yeah, there's just something magical about it. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything else. It's it's really compressed. So when it comes on the radio, it sounds quieter than everything else, but it sounds, it still catches your ear. Like there's just something about it. Uh, and it's it's like one of those great dream songs. It's just It feels like it's not even of earth. And, and I, I got to interview Albert Bouchard, who, who's the drummer on, on the song. And... Um, he just talked about, he was saying when we were playing it, I just imagined I was hearing it on the radio while we were doing it. And it was just like, I was in this trance and, and that's exactly how, how I feel when I hear it too. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my love of that, that one. And, and I think he's right. You know, it doesn't necessarily sound like any of their other stuff and it doesn't sound like anything else. It's, and I do find that every now and again, a band, like the way that you describe that, like, you know, saying it's almost otherworldly, like I get that when, when I listen, when I hear, um, how soon is now by the Smiths, right? Mm -hmm. I think that doesn't necessarily sound like any other Smith song. And it doesn't sound like it come. If you listen to, if someone told you that that come out yesterday, you wouldn't question yeah. it. Because no, it's timeless. It just sounds like it's from outer space. It doesn't sound like it fits anywhere or belongs anywhere. And I just and and, and definitely the same with with uh, Reaper. It's like, yeah, they just sit somewhere else. And and so I can yeah. totally get why why you choose that, and also why why that you know will be one of your, your you know your, your most favourite records, if not your most famous record. Like, I think it's uh, yeah. I just love it when them them songs just kind of just exist in like a little kind of place of their own. I think that's uh, very much the case for that. What I, what I want to ask you is, like, with, with the bands that you're in uh, and the way that, you know, from the, the, the early days of, 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 of Goats um, uh, and Superchunk, you know, the way that people listen to music then was way different to the way that people get their music now. Uh, right. Uh, they now, you know, get their music and lots of platforms where... 
there's a huge array of things down either side of the screen saying, you might like this, press this. If you like this, you're like this. Um, and so, you know, not that it cheapens music in any way, but it makes it, it's a double-edged sword that it's very accessible now and people are getting turned on to new music which they may not have heard before. But it feels like in some areas of music, lots of artists are now writing to try and grab them quickly with that intro and, you know, and, and, and there's been no fat on the bone of the song because it's a very fast-paced world now of new music where, you know... Do you know where I'm going with this? And so what, what I, I, I want to ask is, is, has any of that affected the way that you've approached writing music over the years? My, my main suggestion, usually when, when either Mac from Super Chunk or, or, or John and the Mountain Goats uh, uh, pr- presents a song, my only real comment usually is, I don't think we need to do this part this many times. Like I, so I'm sort of in, in that same boat where I want it to be more succinct. And, and, and I, I'm just as guilty of, of what you just described as anyone where I, yeah, I, I want, I want to hear the hook really soon. And, yeah. and we talked, we talked about REM before we uh, started recording. There's this song of theirs called fall on me, which oh, is, uh, it's my favorite REM record. Song. It's my favorite yeah. REM record. Incredible song. Chorus, first chorus happens 29 seconds in, which is just, which is really quick. But it's yeah. it, that's what makes that song so great is that it's just instant gratification. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely in, in that boat where, where, where I'll, I'll suggest, yeah, maybe we should not do this part before the really great catchy part. Yeah, yeah. we'll do it shorter so it comes sooner. So. Yeah, I definitely do that. Cool. For track two, I'm going to ask you uh, what the first song uh, you remember that you had an emotional response to. Um, it, it's kind of the first song I, I remember. Um, it's called Joy to the World, and it's by Three Dog Night. And a uh, giant hit in America. And I would have been five, I think, when that when I first heard that. And I think we had an album of it. We didn't have many albums in my in my house. We weren't a very musical family, but the, the cover of this album was really intriguing because it has you can see their gear on it, like the, the band's gear in the road case that says Three Dog Night, and that was like I didn't know that existed. Like that, I thought music just like appeared, and yeah. I didn't know there was a whole there was a whole backstory and like all the behind yeah. the scenes things. So, so that's sort of my that ties in in with that too. Like, Oh, I wonder that's like a whole thing that people do music. Yeah. And then there's like the back behind the scenes stuff too. Wicked. Um, so when you heard that, what was the emotion that that gave you? And it's funny. I have, I, I didn't listen to the song in preparation for this. So I haven't not, I probably haven't heard this song in 20 years, but yeah. um, I remember just it being really exciting. And I think it's like a, uh, maybe it's like a Fender Rhodes or a Wurlitzer. That's what it's the the keyboard is played on, and it's just yeah, it's very uplifting. And I'm sure for like a five year old boy, it's Joy. it just instantly gets you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've never heard uh, I've never heard Hoyt Axton's original version or a demo of it. The guy that wrote it, I, I can't imagine it sounds a lot like the finished product because it's, you know, it was such a big band uh, with all these different parts going on. But um, but that's kind of the only Three Dog Night 
I really know at this point, although um, I, I'm a voracious reader of rock memoirs by band people. And, and the first great one I ever read was back in the 80s, and it was by their keyboard player. And his name was Jimmy, I think Jimmy Green, Greenspoon. And it's this harrowing tale. I advise anyone to, to read this story. It's, it has a great redemption at, at the end, but like it's, it's one of the great unknown horror stories of rock just you know the, the addiction and everything and so right. yes and so when you would have heard that when you was five um where was you where, where was home where did you grow up i grew up uh about 35 miles uh northwest of philadelphia but it's, but it was very far removed from the city it, it was uh uh do you know amish amish mm-hmm. the amish religion um I uh, grew up in a town that was like a step hipper than Amish, Mennonite. And and the Mennonite drive cars and have electricity, but that's kind of as as modern as it gets. So I was not Mennonite, but but that that was a big element of the of the town I grew up in and, and it was it was the farmlands too. So it was a very very uh rural kind of life. Okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll touch a little bit more on that when we we get the next one out of the way then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and for, for track three, I want to ask you what the song is that reminds you of your time at school. Um, it took a long time to think of this one because I I uh, I feel like I had very various stages in school. I was very into like AM radio early on, and and then Kiss, the band Kiss, because they were like a comic book with music, and then um, got into like Aerosmith and that sort of sort of thing. And then this particular song really caught my ear, and and I. Uh, I grew up near Philadelphia, and there were two main kind of above-ground rock and roll stations. And they really didn't play much new wave or, you know, punk-adjacent kind of music. 
But every now and then you would hear a, hear a, a song that's kind of has its foot in, in that world. And one night I heard this song by the Boomtown Rats called Rat Trap. So this would have been maybe late 78 or early 79. I would have been 13 maybe. And I remember I was sitting with my mother. My mother um, managed a tennis club. And uh, we, we were sitting out in the parking lot after she got off work. So it was kind of like 930 at night. And she had, had the radio on. And this song came on, Rat Trap. And it wasn't really like anything I'd heard. It was... It's funny, like, now you hear it, and it doesn't sound like punk or at all. It sounds almost like Graham Parker or Bruce Springsteen, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. And uh, But I just loved it. I loved that it wasn't, like, hard rock, and it was kind of – it sounded cool, and I loved Bob Geldof's voice. And it had this one line in a uh, puss and grime ooze from its scab-crusted sores. And just hearing that with my mother next to me and her visceral <laughs> negative reaction, I was just like, this is it. And so from that, I, I, I kind of had a break with my friends, kind of for good. I was really, I got really into the, the Clash and, and the Police and the Ramones and that sort of stuff. And I, I kind of see that as the fork in the road for me, like away from the kind of smoking weed with my friends and listening to whatever, you know, Van Halen. Like, I, I just liked this new path. Did you enjoy school? No. And my mother, um, in addition to being managing a tennis club, was also a teacher. So she, she was at your uh, school? Eight, no, at, at, at our, our rival school. Um, so, so she, I, I, I had her as a substitute teacher maybe once or twice in my life. But, but so she taught English in eight, eighth grade uh, at this other school. And yeah, I was just not in the school. I, I knew from probably, you know, age. 12, 13, that I wanted to do what I thankfully ended up doing. And it wasn't a musical family. It was a very normal uh, education kind of sports family. And, you know, I they just couldn't relate to, to me wanting to do this. But that said, they were super supportive and they let me get a drum set and practice the drums every day for, you know, for probably five I mean, years. <laughs> there's a very big difference between a supportive family that will buy you a guitar or a harmonica or a bass. If they buy you a drum kit, that's proper support. <laughs> it is. It re- yeah. And I feel like, I feel like whatever negative karma I, I incurred over those years from my neighbors with my neighbors has come back because a death metal drummer just moved in across the street from me about a month ago, and he's super loud. He's great, but he's it's just really loud. D- double bass drum pedal? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. oh amazing. Yeah. That is karma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you said you grew up in a sort of a, a very sport-based sort of family. Like, was was you a creative kid though? Yeah, I um, I, I was really into. You know, but, but by 12, I was really into music and and I uh, I was always kind of hanging out with older, older kids and older people, because th- those are the people that were into this kind of music that I was now really into. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, I, I, I loved uh, uh, I don't know if this ever made it over there, a, a show called Second City Television, um, kind of like a, a cooler Saturday Night Live. OK, OK. Uh, so this is around 81, 2, 3, 
really good uh, sketch comedy show. So I was I really loved that, and and I, I ended up doing having a kind of com- comedy off off ramp uh, in the two thousands, and and still continuing with a my comedy partner Tom Sharpling. We do a radio or a internet show. Mm-hmm. So so th- that was always an element too. Yeah. Okay, for track four. I'm going to ask you the first song you remember buying from a record store. This was a, a novelty song uh, called Life is a Rock, But the Radio Rolled Me. And it's a... Uh, uh, do, do you remember a song called Yummy, 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 I Got Love in yeah, My Tummy? Course, it was, yeah. it was, same guy sings both songs, at, but they were both these very fat, just fabricated bands for you know for this record and uh i must have heard it on on the local top 40 station i think it came out in like 72 or three or something and basically the 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 whole bit is that it's just that guy he takes a huge breath at the beginning of the song and then it's just him reciting a hundred different artists record labels etc but it's very catchy it's a very catchy song and that that's the first record I, i ever bought um, I can't say it sent me on any kind of path because it's such a like a throwaway kind of yeah. tune. But that's the first record I bought. Well, talking record stores, you know, as, as somebody that's you know been in a, a, a huge array of you know independent bands, uh, how important have record stores been for you over the years? Oh, huge! I mean, it's like for all my life, that's kind of the most fun thing. To do, especially on tour too. You like, where's the cool record store? And you'll you'll go there and you'll find things that you just don't find anywhere else. Um, but um, as a kid, yeah, that, I mean that's what I looked forward to most. I would I, I didn't live ne- super close to a record store, so like once a week or so we'd go to the mall or there was one freestanding really good store that was about half an hour away. And yeah, that was the that was the high point of of my week every week for. Most of my most of my teenage years, and and I want to ask uh, uh, about that. So, because you, you you touched on earlier um, where you grew up, and and maybe you know a, a lot of the people uh, living around where, where where you was brought up lived a, a, a less conventional um, lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. So, how was that for, for you growing up, and you know, like going to sort of gigs and things like that? What you know, was there was there a scene? you know, where, where, where you, where you grew up? No, no. Um, I think in terms of that, you know, whatever you want to call it, new music I was getting into, like the Clash and the Ramones, et cetera. I think there were probably one or two other kids in my entire school who even entertained the idea of it. Uh, so no one to really play with, except eventually I found these older guys so this, this is around like the summer, fall of 81. And we put a little band together and we'd play shows at like the local, you know, um, veterans of foreign wars, you, you know, outpost where they would just have like a little bar and you'd rent it out and you would invite your friends and, and hopefully a handful would show up and you'd play. And that was the extent of our, of our scene, really. There weren't, there weren't clubs to play because we were, we were close to Philadelphia, but far enough away that it was another world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what sort of stuff was it? Was it sort of, uh, you know, early bands or covers? 
So uh, some were originals, and we were almost like there was a little bit of a of like a police kind of element to it. But we would the covers we would do were like the songs the Ramones covered. So let's yeah. dance. Do you want to dance? Yeah. One other cover, uh, a, a song the Plasmatics covered. Um, I always forget the name of the song, but it was a Bobby Darren song that that Plasmatics covered on on their first album. So. Things like that. Like it was very. This is 1981, so it was yeah. it was very new wave for and for the times. For, you know, you, you've referenced the police a couple of times uh, so far. Like how how much of a dent did the drums in the police influence you? Oh, huge! Um, I would come home. That that was one of the things I terrorized my neighbors with was that I would just play along with those first two albums and this great bootleg album I got of theirs around 81 also. Uh, so I would just drum along with that stuff for, you know, for, for hours. And I, I'm sure I was terrible at it because he's so good and he's so original is his, you know, nobody sounds like him. Yeah. So um, I, I still find myself throwing in little things that Stuart Copeland has done and, and a few, a few more know, high hats than are needed. Oh my God. Always. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I had this realization after listening to, um, I went down a police rabbit hole recently and I realized I, what I love, I love his play, his playing on the records more than live because on the records from, from what I've learned about, about their recording process, they really didn't, have the songs until they were in the studio. Like he, Sting would show them how the song goes and they'd kind of, it would kind of evolve over the next couple hours and they'd record it. And when you don't know a song that well, you're you're way more conservative on your instrument because you want to get it right. But once you know the song, and I do this all the time, like I'll listen to a song I played on, on a record and then the live version, and the live version is just like, way too much junk that I'm doing because I know the song so well. You know, I'm not going to, but, but when you're, you're, you're concentrating and you're just, you're trying to get the parts right. You're, you're less busy. And I think that's what I love about the, the police records versus the live versions is that it's a little more of a complete band performance. Like, yeah. like each guy is doing his own thing, whereas live is just, yeah. you know, everything at once. So, yeah. Wicked. Um, for track five, uh, the song that soundtrack your time clubbing. Well, I never really clubbed at all. I so, need to change this I mean, question because <laughs> every single person I see to speak to that was in a band yeah. will start this answer by yeah. going, do you know what? I never really went clubbing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can, it's, it can it's, be it's, like, it can be old kind of dirty, sweaty rock clubs as well, John. It's not just. Right. Got... But I was trying to think of a song like, What's a song that sounds like a like a song people would dance to at a club? And this song, it, uh, it, it's a song uh, by Daft Punk called um, "Digital Love," and and it's one of those two songs I remember exactly where I was when I heard it. I was with Super Chunk, and we were we had just played at uh, King Tut's Wawa Hut in, in in Glasgow, and it just came on the jukebox, and it instantly caught my ear. It's got that hook. Uh, that's from a George Duke song called uh, I Love You More. And the interesting thing about, about this George Duke song, this hook that this entire Daft Punk song is built on happens one time at the very beginning of the song, and it never happens again. And these guys, I used to work in a, in a used record store, and one day uh, this hip-hop group called the Jurassic Five came in. 
Nice. And they they all had these little portable record players with them, and they would just go through all the all the records and just find one that looked interesting, put it on their portable table with the headphone on, and listen to it to see if anything caught their ear that they could use as a sample. So I'm sure that's what that's what these guys did. Ah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and it's a, it's an amazing hook. And so anyway, I just I heard it that night. And I just thought this is the greatest song I've ever heard. And I got up early the next morning, and went down to that uh, whatever the high street is, and uh, and I waited for I, th- I guess it was an HMV to open, and I bought it. Which I which I I I could count the number of times that's happened on on, on one hand, where like I had to have a record that moment. Wicked. Yeah. Okay, for track six, uh, John, I'm going to ask you for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Uh, this is a song uh, called Web in Front, and it's by a band um, who are technically from a town about three and a half hours west called Ash- Asheville, Mountain Town. Uh, but they, they're pretty much a Chapel Hill, North Carolina band, uh, Archers of Loaf. And this must have been the first song i ever heard by them and it's um it it's such a great pop song like it it's very sparse it's not like a, a loud kind of indie rock song and and i i love the band the church from australia mm-hmm. and and the guitar player in archers of loaf although i don't even i don't think he's a church fan at all his name's eric and he has that great churchy marty wilson piper kind of kind of flavor to his his playing and um i i just love it it's, it's a great we talked about the blue rooster cult song having like a kind of magic to it this song has has that to me also and and there's this this great moment at the end of the song where eric the singer i think he sings the last line and then there's this little sound and i all i just assumed it was there's a percussive instrument. Uh, I can't think of what it's called, but it's like in the shape of a fish. Yeah. Aguero. Aguero. Is that and, what they're called? Because we used to play them at school, and we called them the fish. <laughs> the fish. That's what, that's what we call it, too. We call the fish. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you rub the stick on it, and it goes... And that sound is 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 in the song at the last couple seconds of it. And I, I messaged Eric Bachman, the singer, and... The, the writer of it a few months ago. And I said, what is that sound? Like you, you did a little thing. And he goes, I have no idea, but it's probably just me doing a lighter, like lighting a cigarette. Isn't that amazing? Oh. And that's the sound. Isn't that great? Yeah. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for your final uh, selection, you, you get to play DJ and turn someone onto something new. So for track seven, I'm going to ask you, John, for a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. This is a song I just discovered maybe a month ago. I, I uh, when I I'm on tour, I, I like to buy books and uh, DVDs I've I've never seen before, uh, music related stuff. And I I bought this DVD years ago somewhere, and it it's uh I, I see it right over there. That's what I'm looking at. Um, and it's it's called um, Heartland Reggae, and and it's a uh, a documentary that came out years and years ago. And it's a lot of it is is uh, this Unity concert that Bob Marley helped put put together. And so part of it is that show, and this other part is this incredibly cool 
outdoor show that looks like it was just put together on a flatbed truck. And it's somewhere in the western part of Jamaica, away from Kingston. And it's this guy named Jacob Miller. And he was a contemporary of Bob Marley and those guys. He, he died at 27, and uh, just a couple years after this song. Anyway, there's this great clip of Jacob Miller singing this song. And it, it's on YouTube. Just search Jacob Miller uh, uh, live, and it, it will show up. There's not much footage of him out there. But it's just... The, the most joyful performance I've ever seen of anything. And basically, the, so the song is called um, Tired. That's the first word, Tired. Fee, which I, I think translates into me. Uh, let me get, let me get the, the exact title here. Tired fee liquid in a bush, which translates, I think, to I'm tired of having to smoke weed in the, in, in the woods. Right. And so I and I just I, I tracked down the original studio version of the song. I I like the live version better, but but I just love this song so much, I, and it just makes me smile whenever I hear it because I I just love the idea of being so fed up with not being able to smoke weed in public that you've written a song about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I don't know if this this TV show ever made it over there called Cops. Cops. Uh, it, it's like a re, uh, a real a real life uh, what do you call it? reality show that that was huge in America in all throughout the nineties. It might have just gone is off this, the air. Is this the one that on like in the Michael Moore films he he, he pulls them apart? I'm and just sure. Says it's, I'm it's, sure. it's very very racist. Uh, this is is basically, yeah, I'm sure there are elements of that. And, and also, the whitest white trash America yeah. has to offer also. Yeah. And, it, uh, I know the show you're talking about. Michael Moore definitely pulls that apart in uh, in uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 or Columbine. One of them two. He, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. So, the guy, uh, after Jacob Miller tragically died, uh, the guys in his band, he had a band called Inner Circle. And that's the band on this record. They went on oh, to record. Oh, he was in the Inner Circle. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. And so Inner Circle did the theme to Cops. And in America, you can't, you won't meet anyone who doesn't know the theme to Cops. It's just bad boys, bad boys, what you're yeah. going to do. That, that's the song. Anyway, that's a so. huge record worldwide, yes, man. Yeah. Like, we, we, we know that one over here. So that's, yeah, that's his uh, adjacency to, right. to Cops. <laughs> Sorry. Well, um, we put together a Spotify playlist uh, to accompany this podcast that'll have all of your choices on, John, uh, and some of the other tracks that we've uh, spoken about. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thumb in Fall On Me by, uh, by R.E.M. as well, just because uh, if people haven't heard it, they need to hear that one as well. Um, as we find ourselves coming at the end of a very strange year, mate, and, uh, and, and looking towards 2021 as hopefully a, a time when you know, you can go back out and hug your friends and uh, and, and enjoy a bit more freedom than maybe what you've got to experience this year. Um, what are you looking forward to personally and what's happening professionally? Um, I'm just looking forward to, like, being around people in a, you know, a non-paranoid way you know what i mean like it's i was talking to somebody yesterday and and the whole, uh, i just happened to see them on on a walk i was taking neither of us had masks on because neither of us thought we would see another person on this mm -hmm. on this walk and you know, you're just you're talking but you're also at the same time 
all right, I got to move back a little bit. And now they're coming forward, but I still need to move back. So you're always thinking yeah. about this, this, uh, uh, you know, this virus. And, and uh, so I, I think that's the main thing. I just, I look forward to a day when it's just not front and center in, in my mind. And I can't tell you what a relief it is that Joe Biden won this election. I, I think w- most of us just feel like we've been let out of a vice. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Yeah, do do understand that there was a hell of a lot of people in the UK just praying that was going to be the case as well. Oh, and we're, we're I mean, personally, I'm just so embarrassed. Like, I'm, I'm embarrassed that this happened. You know, I just, everything about it is embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it really is. And what's, what's, I remember. Good. Oh, I was going to say, I remember being on tour in, in Italy the night, um, Bush beat beat Kerry, and you think about those days, and it's like that's like it's like play school compared to what we've just we've just been through. And and I I remember the next day, the band I was playing with, we had to do a border crossing somewhere, and we were all just like thinking, what are these guys going to say to us? Like, what are they going to like? I'm embarrassed that I have this passport right now, and uh, and sure enough, they were like Bush or Kerry. You know, so they were, everyone was kind of, kind of feeling it, but now, but what we just went through was that times a hundred, you know, and, oh, yeah, it was just constant, like, embarrassment as you hand the customs person your, your passport, because they know, you know, they know. (laughs) That's really weird. um, When the, uh, when Trump got voted in, um, during the election, I was actually in Mexico, uh, and that was a very strange country to be in during that election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there that certainly wasn't many Trump fans there, I know. Uh, it's crazy, crazy times. Yeah. And and so musically, what's what's coming up? Hopefully, a lot of touring. You know, I I, I had uh, two two really big tours that that went away. Bob Mould, we made a new record that came out in, uh, in September and we had a bunch of shows scheduled. And so all that's rescheduled hopefully for this time next year. And the mountain goats had two big tours that went away. And so I think it's just going to be a lot of making up shows. And, um, and it's amazing. Bob and John from the mountain goats and Mac from super chunk are all still in these very creative songwriting jags that have been going on for, for 10 years now so it's and show no signs of stopping so there i i'm lucky that I, I still play with people that are you know still really feeling it and and want to keep making music wonderful well if any of those tours find themselves uh in the uk then uh, i look forward to coming along and uh, and buying you a beer um John, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thanks so much for your time today, mate. And uh, Thank you for having me. And I wish you all the best. Thanks loads, mate. I'll see you over there at some point. Look forward to Thanks. it. There you go. What a lovely man. That was an absolutely delightful chat. Um, yeah, look forward to hearing new Super Chunk music, new Mountain Goats music. Um, looking forward to seeing Bob Mould next time he's in the UK. Um so much good stuff to get stuck into there. Go and explore the back catalogues of uh, all three of those bands that John's in because uh, there's a whole world of great music to be explored and enjoyed there. Um, I'm back next time. Uh, thanks ever so much for listening. As mentioned at the beginning, um, any support over on Patreon is really, really appreciated. And 
you get four extra shows a week over there where I play records, have a chat, put up some video episodes sometimes, exclusive episodes. And uh, yeah, it all really helps to kind of support the podcast. So uh, any love you can give over there is great. And uh, and if not, no problem. Um, if you see me on the socials, uh, I'm on all the platforms. Give us a follow, a like, a love, a share, a retweet, you know, all of that stuff that um, you can do. It all really helps. And uh, and also subscribe. If you can subscribe on uh on whatever format you listen to uh, this podcast on, then uh, then please do so. I'm back next week. Have a lovely week. Um, stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket and then on the way out, put in the discount code Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.